Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. We were talking during the break. We heard that uh, heard that commercial there, Dave Chappelle coming to Indy. How about that? I've seen him like five times. That's one of those things, KB, where uh, there's a bunch of sports radio guys and radio guys in general that think they could do stand-up comedy. Now, you don't come across as one of the guys that feels that way. No, I, might I, think, be. Uh, I think I'd be booed <laughs> off stage quickly. We did one time have a um, last place in the Fantasy League, yeah. and all of a sudden, you have to do stand-up comedy if you get last place in the Fantasy League. So we I did like Open that. mic night, and I like that. Let's just say the guy that got fat at last place. We got some <laughs> awkward looks because, like, you go to those open mic nights, and they're like people legitimately trying to make it. Oh, sure, yeah. It's not a joke today. Right. It's not a fantasy football hygiene. I know, and we were there as a joke, so I, I kind of felt bad. I was like, oh boy, we are walking on eggshells in here. <laughs> All right, it's the wake up call. KB and Andy hanging out with you until ten o'clock. We have a busy nine o'clock hour. Uh, Mike Chapel going to join us. Zach Osterman as well. We continue to react, and we talked during the break on where we want to go here uh, in this in the 7.30 segment. Again, for me, and we will continue to play this as we go, uh, but Chris Ballard, I thought, walked the tightrope of understanding this is not a good situation. It's not a good situation for him. It's not a good situation for his team. It's not a good situation for you guys, the fan, and we've talked about that. Uh, I did not leave his 28-minute press conference, KB, feeling any better uh, that he and JT or the two sides were going to get together and be nice. That doesn't mean that JT eventually will not play here or play football somewhere else, but uh, it, it, didn't, it did not do too much uh, for me, and I thought he confirmed as well uh, that, hey, we put him on the pup list because, you know, his body still ain't right. It's been 10, 10 and a half months, and that's still the case. Yeah, I don't think you're going to sprinkle any magic fairy dust on this and all of a sudden, boom, Jonathan Taylor's playing week five, week six, something like that. Or a multi-year extension is just going to fall out of the sky. So a, a ton more to repair, to use the Chris Boward word yesterday, from this relationship. Um, and I look at it right now and think, again, w- w- it's time to hear from Taylor. I-, I thought Ballard handled things just fine yesterday. You know, I thought uh, it was important to hear from him. Uh, there were some moments there where I thought he's pretty candid. Some other more of a politician uh, type responses, which I get. You can't be totally like open book with a lot of this, um, but still, I think now it's time to hear from Taylor because I think here in the last few days, it's been in few weeks, it's been a little bit more childish from Taylor with the cryptic uh, Twitter, social media stuff, and. and Frankly, just expected more out of him. Now, I'm looking. NFL Network has Ballard up there, some of the snippets, and we'll play some sound here in just a second. Ballard goes with the hat. I feel like he I feel like he has pretty elite hair for him to go with the flat bill with a little bit of a bend to it. Do you have any – does you, you or Mark have any thoughts on this? I, these are the he's things a, that I see. He's a pretty big hat guy. They just had practice yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, rocking the hat at practice and then just sliding into the media room after that. So, uh, yeah, he is uh, – he's certainly 
definitely has some hair. How was the media scene there? Because I need to be out to what is there? Is there? Uh, are there tiers? We always do uh, tiers of teams. I mean, is it chapels up front with sure. Holder? Oh, yeah. How does? Yeah, 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 uh, what's yeah, the? Yeah. What's where are you I'm, at in all of this? I'm a row two guy. I'm not You're a row, row two guy. Okay. Not a row one guy. Chapel Holder, Joel A. Erickson okay. in row one. I thought they weren't. I mean, I thought honestly the half hour press conference went. Pretty well. It's not like they were back and forth where all of a sudden the pressers derailed. Again, there were some non-Jonathan Taylor-related comments that I do want to hit on. You know, probably a little bit more in the eight o'clock hour because you know there were some things of okay, why was Darius Rush cut? Um, what do you think about your offensive line depth and how inexperienced that group was? He talked about the whiteout uh, situation. Uh, we saw later in the day Jelani Woods goes on injured reserve. What does that mean? Yeah. What's different about Jelani Woods on IR versus Jonathan Taylor on PUP? So I do want to hit on that at some point here a little bit later. Uh, you asked the question later on in the press conference about stunting the growth of Anthony Richardson. That was you, right? Uh, that, that was you, was it not? Yeah, that or was, was it a KB sound-alike? It no, was you, right? Yeah, that was, that was me. And, and it's a question that I've brought up so much on the show. So I felt like it was needed to be thrown towards Chris Ballard because, again, my biggest issue with all of this, when you hear Chris Ballard say it sucks, it's awful, it sucks for the Colts, it yeah. sucks for fans, it sucks for Jonathan Taylor, that's my whole premise. Right. This is not a good situation for anybody involved, and I throw Anthony Richardson into that group. Now, Ballard's response, not necessarily along those lines. Look, when you don't have a great player, I mean, but I don't think it stunts his growth. No, not at all. But it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. Did it stunt Andrew's growth without a special bag? Uh, it's where I disagree with Ballard yeah, the most. I, I was I was dumbfounded, frankly, when he said that. You can't I, compare I, Andrew Luck and, and Anthony Richardson. You just can't do it. Anthony Richardson's played in 13 games. Andrew Luck, two-time Heisman Trophy runner-up, took home the Maxwell Award, the Walter Camp Award, the Johnny Unitas Award, was in whatever sentence there is with Peyton Manning and John Elway exiting college as the can't-miss, must-take number one overall. Anthony Richardson, a lot of people probably didn't even peg him as a first-round pick until the Combine. So I, I just... This goes back to the number five for the Colts is unlike anything that's entered the NFL, particularly as a top five draft pick at quarterback. And you cannot compare him to anyone else, let alone Andrew Luck exiting college and the readiness of Andrew Luck exiting Stanford versus Anthony Richardson leaving Florida. And Andy... I think fans of the Colts will realize there's a lot of arguments in the Luck era that you didn't do enough around him, you know, over time, whether that was through the offensive line or that was through skill position players. You didn't do enough to support him. So I, I couldn't have disagreed more with that Andrew Luck comment there. Um, trying to compare the Andrew Luck collegiate resume to the Anthony Richardson collegiate resume and their readiness in the NFL. Yeah, that's like. Yeah, that's like comparing right now Usain Bolt to Rosie Bowen in terms of their <laughs> their their speed in a hundred meter well, dash. Here's here's just what it is. I I know there's a segment of the fan base KB that's like, well, what's he going to say there? I, I've always got that over, and I'm sure you have in your radio career. Well, what's the coach going to say? What's the owner? What's the general manager going to say? But Chris Ballard is not. Uh, I mean, there's a great probability that he's not right here, and I. 
understand what kind of nuclear uh, bomb would go off if he said yesterday at the end of that press conference, well, oh yeah, this is absolutely going to affect Anthony Richardson. He's not going, it's going to stun his growth. He's not going to be the player early on in this season or the entire season because JT's not there. So, I, I mean, there is a small sliver that, yes, of course he's not going to say that, but they can't really feel that way. And then it goes back to what I said. What did I say yesterday through all of this? I just wanted just to throw it out there. Do the football guys feel that they can figure it out with Jonathan Taylor? Does Shane Steichen feel and his coaching staff, okay, and Chris Ballard feel as the general manager that, hey, Jonathan Taylor's a great player. We ain't denying that. But we we are smart enough. Shane Steichen, I am good enough at coaching offense, at coaching quarterbacks, at scheming Kevin Bowen. I am good enough at this that, that we will be, that yes, we may not be as good, but we'll be fine. We'll be able to mask what Jonathan and Taylor, um, but there's there can't be a Colt fan that feels that way that what Chris Ballard said yesterday. Not one. Yeah, you know, going back to what you just said there, Andy, of like, okay, what should Ballard say to that response? Obviously, the luck analogy, I assume that wasn't on the talking point sheet. I, I, I don't think that would have been a wise thing to try and respond with. Where I think I walk away from that shaking my head as much as I did, and I think the response from a majority of fans was very similar, is a comment like that, Andy, backs up what so many people have as an issue for Chris Bowden in his now seventh year as a general manager. In general... You have lacked skill support for your quarterbacks. Is it arrogance? And, 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 is it arrogance? And I say that plural. Uh, stubbornness is yeah. the word that I've used quite often. Arrogance is probably you know a decent synonym for that. And so that's where the issue lies. Is those words have backed up the actions? Because in my opinion, over these seven years, there are not enough times where you've walked into a Sunday afternoon game. And I've sat there and thought, man, the Colts have got the better skill group here. No questions asked. The Colts have supported their quarterbacks when, again, outside of maybe luck in 2018, I don't think you've ever thought you've had some top five, top seven quarterback. Uh, Certainly in recent years, you haven't even sniffed that. So that's where I look at that comment yesterday and think, man, like it's one thing for fans to sit here and be like, Lamar Jackson didn't have a, a great rookie running back next to him. You know, Cam Newton didn't have some running back next to him early in his career. Josh Allen didn't have some running back. But throwing Andrew Luck in there? <laughs> it Kevin. Just <laughs> I had to cut that. I had to cut that. Kevin. Just save that, Mark. You can put that in. You can put that in your file. Usually has Ballard and full, Kevin stuff. Usually Kevin. Gone full Kevin. <laughs> Did he go Bowen at the combine, Mark? Mm, yeah, I don't Someone remember. Said, if he can read or listen to Bowen. Someone said, "I'm shocked he didn't go middle name." Do you know my middle name, Andy? Oh man, I have no idea what your middle name is. You'll not not one, it. not one idea. There's, You'll never get it. There's four O's in my middle name. There's four O's in your four middle O's. name. The only vowel is an O. Oh, dude, I don't even know where to even start. Is I'll, this a Scrabble game? No, is this I, Wordle for I, Harvard students? Dude, I have no idea. What is it? Four O's. Woohoo! Is that <laughs> look at that, Mark Titan? Great, great memory by by Martin. Uh, my mom's maiden name. My mom is Colleen Donahue. 
Oh, okay. Kevin Donahue Bowen. D-O-N-O-H-O-O. I, I, okay. I don't know why I wrote that down, but I did. I wrote it down on my sound sheet today. You you, you brought it up, so I, I, I guess <laughs> let's just touch on it. And I don't want to hit on it very long, Andy. Okay. Chris Ballard, in all likelihood, will not talk again with the media until the season ends. So I looked at yesterday as the final time we get yeah. to meet with Chris Ballard until probably January. And so that is a moment to where there has been rumors out there of the Colts pursuing Kareem Hunt and making an offer for Kareem Hunt. So in my mind, if they ever sign Kareem Hunt, it would be good to have the general manager on record with an answer about Kareem Hunt and the off the field baggage, whatever you want to describe it, that comes with such a signing. So that's why I asked the Kareem Hunt question, the Kevin comment in there is in reference to Ballard's answer to the Kareem Hunt question there. Um, well, you want to hear it? I figured you were setting that I mean, up. I don't know. I couldn't tell. I, th- I thought you were setting me up there. It's 30 seconds. Do you want to hear I, what he said? Again, I don't want to hit on it too, too long, but I guess I'm kind of, you know. It, we're here at this point. We've, yeah, la- we've I landed. Know, I know. We've go landed, ahead, we've it, landed it, at it, the Kareem Hunt question. Bridge. Yeah, go ahead. What I will tell you is he's been in the league a while. Um, he, of course, I'm not going to get into specifics on what we did and what we didn't do, but I think our track record there is pretty good, Kevin. I, I, I mean, I'll never forget when we got slammed for one player we took, and he ended up being a really good member of this community. So I think our track record, any guy we bring into this building, we vet, and assuredly we're going to do everything we can. We're not going to be 100% perfect, but I think our track record is pretty good. Yeah, you know, Kevin. A lot of people ask there, who was he referencing? Yeah, who was he referencing? I, I, this is a guess. Okay. I'm going to go back to Bobby O'Karake, who had a sexual assault case at Stanford that eventually was voted down. I, you know, there was like a five-person board. I think like three to two was voted. Or it needed to be at least four of the votes. I, I think I have that right, and it was only three of the votes. Um, again, I... I I'm not going to say any more on it until the Colts make a move. I just think it was important for a Kareem Hunt answer to be on, on well, yeah, the record. Because if he gets signed, you're not going to hear from him until after the season. No, I, I thought it was a valid question. From the general manager. So, yeah, that's neither here nor there. I, I mean, the Kareem Hunt thing, I don't think is going to. I mean, do you think that's going to happen? Well, I, mean, it, I mean, to me, I don't okay, know. If, Zach I, I don't Moss feel was, like that's going to happen. Zach Moss was not practicing yesterday. Um, Ballard acted like Zach Moss's return will be soon. As of now, it's just the three running backs on the active roster. An injured Zach Moss, who hasn't practiced in a month, and then Evan Hall and Deion Jackson. The Colts will practice today at 1 o'clock. That's it till, I believe, Labor Day. I think they'll go out there on Monday for practice. Then they'll go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week, and then boom, week from Sunday, you're playing Jacksonville. So um, if Zach Moss doesn't practice today... Andy, now we're in the boat of, again, is four practices with a month break, is that enough for him? With a broken no. arm? No, Zach Moss I don't think is playing week one. Do you? With a broken yeah, arm, I, though. I, mean, I, don't, I don't feel that way. Conditioning-wise, with a broken arm, you would think he'd be able to do yeah. some lower body stuff in the last month. So that's why I sit here and think, okay, you know, as long as he can take contact, maybe he is out there. Maybe you're you know, rotating those three. But Ballard said they're still looking into some veteran running backs. So 
Um, again, we'll uh, we'll continue to see how that plays out. Well, if out. you were a defensive player, you just put a club on his arm. <laughs> you can't do that if, you, if you're a running back. They always put the club on the defensive oh, yeah. guy's uh-huh. arm. And they just he, whack he, you. He's, he's running around with, yeah. a, with a huge Barry club Bonds on his arm. Barry and J.J. Watts <laughs> club. There. Now, do you want to hear the back and forth with James Boyd of the Athletic? Yeah. Who may be that in today. That was to close see, it out. Yeah, that, that was that was the final thing. Now, this, this is the entire back and forth. It's about 50 seconds. Last time we spoke to you, you said the running back market is what it is. Um, how much do you think the running back position in particular when it comes to JT's contract negotiations or discussions you all have had has factored into um, what he, he wants or what you think is, is, is fair on both sides? Let me say this. The running back back market is what it is. But you pay – I've said this all along. Like, I didn't have – Quentin Nelson didn't have a problem playing a guard a lot of money, which other people don't either. Like, you, when guys are having great seasons and great – have a chance to really help your football team, absolutely. I mean, the running market is what it is. But, look, great players are what they are too. So, I I think that all works. I think there's a – we won four games last year. We won four games. So if you couldn't if you couldn't hear James, I mean he, he was asking about the running back market at the very beginning. Ballard asked that. Well, you you know, it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a guard or a linebacker or whatever it is, you pay great players. Okay, if he's a great player and you spent twenty seven and a half minutes, KB, telling us that Jonathan Taylor is a great player and you love him and it's the relationship and you want to repair things and everything else, then why not sign Jonathan Taylor? I would even say why not give him some sort of a sweetheart deal this year. And he said, that's because we won four games. And to me, to me, that tells you what you need to know. Does does it not that this team is unsure if they want to pay Jonathan Taylor? To me, it tells me that it, it, you don't listen to Steichen. Uh, you know the new coaching staff has absolutely an influence, and then on top of it, we won four games last year. And quite frankly, you're staring at what five, six, maybe wins, four wins yet again. I hate to be negative uh, like that this season, uh, and that hey, we have resources and money, and we need to give that money maybe perhaps to other positions and that can lead to other questions but to me that was a telling end and right after he said the four wins we won four games the four games he got up and that was the end of the press conference let's um let's go right there Andy. if we did a poll right now on twitter and we put the colts will win four five or six games this season those are the three choices you would get i would say a decent chunk that would say four wins um, you'd sure. obviously have people that would be in the five-win boat, and you'd have people being in the six-win boat. But four wins, I think, has been just gauging some fan interest. That's been a popular win total for the Colts. So if they win four wins this season, does that mean these free agents, none of them will be re-signed? Jonathan Taylor, Grover Stewart, and Michael Pittman well, Jr.? I, I mean, I know. I know. And, the, and Grover was asked about, and I mean, Colts fans expect Michael Pittman to be on this football team. If I listed the reasons why the Colts went 4-12-1 last season, Jonathan Taylor would be... Well, his absence. 24th on the yeah, list, it's maybe? Not, not his play, his absence. I had, a, I had a Colts fan that say he won four games, and he won two of them. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor won two of it himself. Yeah, that one was the other question that I just didn't follow of the, again, why should Jonathan Taylor be blamed for 
I had to carry Carson Wentz on my back in 2021. Then you went out and thought Matt Ryan was having something left in the tank. And so now I'm getting blamed for that. I guess I'm getting blamed for the offensive line wilting as well. Uh, Does he get blamed for Jim Irsay hiring Jeff Saturday and thinking that wins were going to magically fall out of the sky either in that answer? So, I, I, yeah, that one doesn't check. I, I think if Ballard had a mulligan at that one, he would throw in the injury with Taylor. You know, he obviously didn't say it in that answer Right, he there. said it earlier he in the press conference. earlier. Now, this gets into the debate of how hurt is Taylor and why we need to hear from Taylor. Because there are so conflicting things to he's in Europe getting treatment on the ankle to if he put pen to paper tomorrow, Andy, he'd be toting the rock in practice. So, the Duke. Get out the notes app. The Duke. Get out the notes app. <laughs> Answer some questions. Let us know where you're at from this side of it uh, because we heard from one party yesterday. And credit to Chris Ballard. He spoke for 30 minutes. You know, there are a lot of GMs, Andy, that would have got up there and said one opening statement about right. Jonathan Taylor. I'm not talking have, about wouldn't it. Wouldn't have fielded questions. No, he so fielded 25 minutes of questions. I give Chris Ballard credit for, for that. Um, and there again, a lot of other Taylor, non-Taylor related questions I don't want to hit on as well, but the four win excuse, uh, yeah, you go four twelve, you go four and thirteen this year. Does that mean Grover, Michael Pittman, and Jonathan Taylor all walk? I, I mean, I, you went, you know, you went three and thirteen. Peyton's first year. Does that all of a sudden mean? Oh yeah, well, if Peyton's contract was up, we wouldn't have extended him. Well, the reason, okay, so he doesn't go injury there, and you're right. If he had a mulligan, you can go injury there, and that, and given that Jonathan Taylor's not speaking, that you can, you know, he's not getting his side of the story out there, that you can kind of control that message. But I thought it was the reality of the team doesn't have very much talent. <laughs> I mean, I but again, mean, isn't that a you? look in the mirror moment at uh, Chris no, Ballard for building that well, team? It a thousand percent is. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, everything around here is like, if you're a fan today of the Indianapolis Colts, you can checkmate, can you not, Chris Ballard with anything that, hey, this is your team, <laughs> right? Well, we haven't been through the Jonathan Taylor stuff, and we're not, we're not talking uh, about all the good things on the roster. He said that in the press conference, which we'll get to. All the good things that are happening. Uh, we're not talking about Anthony Richardson. We're not talking about guys, any list of three, four guys that are developing into into fine NFL players. But I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's not the media's fault. And I, I don't know if he was blaming, but that's not the fans or the media's fault. That's, that's partially the Colts' fault for this being the drama that it is. I mean, to me, it was an admission that we have a lot of building to do. We need to sign a lot of players. And can we sign a lot of players and fill a lot of holes if we're playing a lot of money, if we're paying a lot of money to a running back? And then, like you said, he didn't bring up the injury, but we're paying a lot of money to a running back that ain't right after 10 months. So my question to that would be this, Andy. It's August 31st. The roster building for the 2023 season is all but complete. The waiver claim process just played out. Yeah, you're going to tinker with the back end of the roster guy here or there, but nothing earth-shattering is going to happen between now and the end of the season. And in the eight months, or I guess it's more like March, so in the six or seven months that you've had to build your roster, the only notable offensive acquisition (laughs) that is not named Gardner Minshew was Isaiah McKenzie, who for two hours yesterday was cut. Yeah. So, yeah. nothing at running back of notes. 
Nothing at wide receiver of note outside of Isaiah McKenzie when we talk the free agent route. Nothing at tight end. And again, an offensive line group that has probably the most inexperienced depth you're going to find in the NFL, and you're running back the same five from last year. So even if you have this staunch stance of we're not extending Taylor because of four wins, from a personnel standpoint, they hardly did anything of substance from a veteran free agent standpoint or trades this offseason on that side of the ball. And that's where I think it's stunning. It's Shane stunning. Sykin just has so much on his plate. And you've got, after the draft picks, contracts uh, become guaranteed to make in the 53-man roster, I think you're close to $14 million still in cap space. So you still have that. And this gets back to your sweetening of the pot point for Taylor here in 2023. You know, what if you took 4.3 and let's go back to, was it Scott yesterday, the mathematician who called in? And he also tweeted at me the oh, did the, he? Uh, the breakdown of all the all the incentives on the deal. I actually appreciated it. Uh, it was a little well, easier I, to... I need to try to find that. To, uh, ...to follow. But could you do some sort of incentive-laden increase here for 2023, and would that be enough? And again, these are questions... For Jonathan Taylor. For Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, for Jonathan as Taylor, well. yeah. And I... We're talking to ourselves at this point, like, right? Chris You're exactly Ballard right. at least gave us something yesterday. And the something was this, Andy. Four wins, new coaching staff. We still feel like there's pain in the ankle. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. If you want to just boil it yeah. down to three points that Chris Ballard made yesterday of why he is not extending Taylor. Agree, disagree, whatever. At least we have those points. What we don't have is Jonathan Taylor's side of it. And I think that is an issue in trying to get a little bit of clarity from where these parties are at because to say they are divided, to say they are far, far away from agreeing on anything would be the biggest understanding. Yeah, the story's not going to move forward too much now without without Jonathan Taylor's side. Chris Ballard went out there. You're exactly right. You may not like it, but he told you why uh, they're not doing the things uh, that they're doing. He talked about the pup list. He talked about the four wins. He talked about the ankle and everything else. Uh, the, the, the ankle, the... I know we'll get into in the 8 o'clock hour. The the ankle, if that's what the Colts feel and that's what they really feel, I just, I'm, I'm having trouble buying that. Does that make, you know what I'm saying? I'm having trouble buying anything because I believe Mike Chappell is talking to, you know, people at the head of the organization when they feel like he would go and put the pads back on with Jonathan Taylor if he had a contract. I mean, I feel, I that's how I feel even though it's tricky. Um, several things. In the 8 o'clock hour, do they have enough weapons for Anthony Richardson, that was asked as well. What about the running back room itself without Jonathan Taylor, the franchise tag? There's a ton of things we can get to over the next couple hours. Yeah, two to add to that. I thought the answer to Darius Rush and why he was cut was an interesting one. Um, it was more of a ringing endorsement to another draft pick and less about Darius Rush. I think there were some questions like, what did Darius Rush do off the mm. field? It had to have been something yeah. off the field. That was not at all what Ballard said yesterday. And then again, I think a guy that some have pegged for a breakout season, he will be out for the first month of the year. And it's not Jonathan Taylor. So we'll touch on that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. If you guys want to join the conversation, it's at KBowen1070 on Twitter, at the only Sweeney on Twitter, 317-239-1070. In an hour, Mike Chappell joins us. Wake up call, KB and Andy here on a beautiful Thursday in Indy. Mike Chappell going to join us here in just a second before we get to chap we asked the question before the break and i guess kirk listener kirk asked the question you know in the ballard era where are they better at from a positional standpoint what positions are better than when he took over to me this answer from jay 
is the exact answer that I should have given. Jay, you should have my job. Uh, Jay goes, the only spots the roster is possibly better in after six years are non-premium positions. Also, the only person who thinks the skill positions are good is Chris Ballard, and that is the problem. I, I would say the Chris Ballard, they have enough weapons, is probably the answer where he's the only one that feels that way, right? Like, there's, like, even percentage of other answers other fans will, will be able to ride with. But that one, I feel like, is pretty black or white. That's how I feel. Yeah, I think that is, again, perfectly well said there from Jay. All right, Mike Chappell joins us. Let's go. Sorry, I thought you were going to bring no, him in. No, no, uh, Mike Chappell uh, joins us, CBS 4, Fox 59. Uh, Mike, it's, uh, I've not met you in person, I don't believe, but great to meet you here on the radio. So let's jump in as obviously we've been talking all morning about Chris Ballard and what he said or did not say about Jonathan Taylor. You've covered a lot of these press conferences, so you're sitting there yesterday, 30 minutes of questions uh, that Ballard fielded. Most of them were about Jonathan Jonathan Taylor, what were your main takeaways, uh, one or two takeaways, main takeaways that you had as you're sitting there watching everyone ask questions about what's going on with Jonathan Taylor? Probably that he's a lot more optimistic than I am, than a lot of people are, that this relationship can be patched. Uh, Never say never, because things change, but for for anything to change, Somebody has to give, and the Colts aren't going to give. You know, they're not going to say, "Oh, by the way, we signed Jonathan to a three-year, forty million dollar contract extension." And so that means that Taylor needs to give. And I don't know from what we've how things have gone. I don't. I haven't seen that in any indication that he would like swallow his pride and say, "Okay, you know, I, I will just play out the last." You know part of the season and then we'll see what happens in the off season. I, I just don't see that. So that's the main thing is I understand it's funny how I think it was Jim Ursley on TV in the, the, the preseason game said that it's Chris's job to calm the waters I think is what he, mm-hmm. he used and, that, and that's what Chris was doing I just don't see how things change until somebody changes their stance and I don't see that. Chap, um, appreciate the time. When Chris Bauer talks about the ankle situation yesterday. I mean, he brought that up on several occasions. Should we be putting more stock into Jonathan Taylor's physical health, or maybe lack thereof? You mean that that he's actually Hurt. not healthy? Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm not there because I, I think that if they gave him three years, forty million dollars today, that he's practicing tomorrow. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I just, would he uh, have an extension uh, if he were healthy? That's a good question. Uh, no, no. Hmm. I, I, hmm. I think there there has been it, it, it. It's impacted it, I think. But but I, a lot of what he said yesterday. Remember, it was two or three times, and then James asked him about, well, this is a star player. You know, why don't you pay him? And he said, we won four games. We won four games. And also, I, and we'll never get get the answer to this, is how has the new coaching staff changed the outlook of this roster? You know, all of a sudden, we've got, we've got a new set of eyes on everybody. Not, not so much defense, because Gus is still here. But you've got a head coach and an offensive guy who, who maybe he doesn't think 
this guy is what you guys think he is or that guy is what you think he is. Maybe he thinks that, you know, at, at his core, you don't pay a running back $13, $12, 13000000 dollars I don't know. But he, a couple times he has mentioned, he did it in, in his pre-camp press conference on yesterday about, you know, new coaching staff. And so, so what, what does Shane Steichen, when they sat there in the meetings, the evaluations, of players when they got to Taylor, what what did Shane say? Hey, great player, but you know we don't need. You know I, I can make my offense work with, you know, with, with not a, 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 a top tier player, but certainly a good one, which right now they don't have. So I I, I was wondering what what Shane Sykin's influence has been in this, but I think there's, like people don't want to hear it, but but you know situations are unique. And this this is this is the old imperfect storm for Jonathan Taylor. It just is. The timing. I've always said, you know, the most important thing in life is timing. It, whatever you do, and right now this is the absolute worst time for for him to be wanting an extension, and and that includes the injury. Chap, when you look at um. You're reporting, actually. And again, Mike Chappell's with the CBS4 Fox 59. You reported that, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, that the Colts were not offered a second-round pick. The third-round pick was the best they were offered. Is that correct? I was told they weren't offered a one or a two. Hmm. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the, uh, I thought the Miami GM yesterday said they didn't offer anything. Maybe I, maybe I misread the quotes. He said they, they talked. But I thought he said that they didn't offer any. Yeah, I thought it was like nothing legit. I, I I felt like I heard it, and it sounded very semantic-y to me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and, and you know, when, when it's out there that teams have interest, well, is that because the team called you or you called the team? So, but no, I was told that they, you know, they and they held firm. They didn't get, you know, they, they could have traded him. Any team, in my mind, any team that called the Colts about interest in Taylor had to be willing to sign him to some level of an extension or why are you calling? You think Taylor's going to go there and play, you know, 4.3 million this year? No. So that, that was, I don't think that would, and I initially thought that would have been the problem, but it wasn't. It was that they weren't going to dump him. And I mean, Chris mentioned that two or three times. We weren't going to let him just walk out the door. And I, I wasn't totally convinced they weren't going to do that just because I, you know, and I asked Chris this yesterday about you've got a player here now that clearly doesn't want to be here, and now you're making him be here. You know, is there a concern of negative impact on the locker room? And I think he sort of said they'll, they'll work through all that or whatever. He said that's the first time he's been through it. So, no, but they, they had the chance to unload him, and they just weren't going to send him away. So now, now that means they've got to find a way to make it work. Although, keep in mind, the the the, the Tuesday deadline for a trade was, was self-imposed so they could get their record, so they could get the roster set and know at least initially what you're doing with him. They could trade him tomorrow. They could, you know, they can trade up until October 31st. So that, that that's the only uh, you know disheartening thing, maybe from the outside, maybe a little bit from the inside. Is yesterday. You know what they did Tuesday didn't really move the needle. It, it just sort of hit the pause button on Jonathan Taylor, and he's not going to be here for you know play for four games. 
But this thing, you know, this thing can change in a heartbeat. All you need to have is a team probably closer to the deadline where a team loses a player or whatever. They think they really are are one player away, and then they make that, you know, decision and and try to to really get Taylor. But yeah, my my, I was disappointed that we didn't get a resolution just just because it, you know, and and Ballard mentioned it is, you know, it's too bad we've been talking about. Taylor, because you know there have been a lot of good stories in, in camp, and, and that's what it ha- what happens when you've got such a player sort of sucking the auction out of the room is you don't talk about anything else most of the time. And Andy did have that Chris Greer clip, so let's just play that. R- I, well, r- I, I think I think this I think this is the one. So let's just so play. This is, this yeah. is a Dolphins yeah. GM yesterday. Jonathan is valuable, and at the end of the day. We're not, you know, I'm not just going to let him walk out the building. I'm not going to do that. It's not the best thing for the Colts and the organization. So that, that that's the Ballard clip. Again, Chris right. Greer's comments, that, that that's the one. Um, it was just general talks, Greer said. A lot of the stuff being reported, like I tell yep. you guys, 95% of it's wrong. We had some discussions, but it's no different than any player that's ever released or available that we know about. In terms of being close, there was nothing really close. So that was Chris so Greer he, he again. Didn't say we didn't, he didn't say we didn't offer this. He just sort of was I don't very see general that here. He, then, he, then he added okay. Jalen Waddle would not be available to anybody. Gotcha. Mike. Yeah, well, that's Mike, yeah. Mike Chapel with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Most likely, uh, you know, how this plays out, Mike, the most likely scenario is now what, in your opinion? I don't know. I we were t- What was funny, we were talking yesterday, we are trying to get straight what happens. You know, he's going to miss four games. At some point, he has to pass a physical. He just does. I don't see a world, a reality where this team allows him to stay on pup all season and and be paid. Now the downside to him, I mean, he gets paid, but being on pup all year, his, his contract tolls because he's got to play. He's got to be on the active roster for six games. So at some point, there's got to be movement to where he's no longer on pup. You know, does the time come when, again, the team says, we believe he's healthy, he refuses to either take or pass a physical, and then, again, then you go nuclear with, you know, it would be the worst-case scenario, but, you know, teams can suspend players. The Colts did. I've talked to Rick Venturi about it when he just got set up with Eric Dickerson for refusing to practice. A little different because he had passed a physical. But that is an option, and it's certainly one you don't want to go to because then the relationship is it, it's war of the roses relationship where it just doesn't you're cutting the house in half. So, uh, but at some point he's got he's got he's got to practice, and if the team, as I've been told, believes he's healthy, and again I, I'm not the only person that thinks if he got an extension or a trade, right, he would have been on the practice field, but. Yep. You know, something he's, he's got to practice, and and then the next move takes place. Whether he plays, it, it's so hard in my mind to to make to make an employee work. It, it, you know, Kevin could be PO'd about something and doesn't want to come into work, and they say, "No, you know, contract or whatever." You know, you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna be here. Well, you will. What, what's the old line? I'm, I'm here because so I don't get fined. That's not a good situation at all. 
And if a player is concerned about getting an injury before the extension, it, it just brings into all those things into play. That's why I just don't I, – irrecoverably broken, I don't know. But this looks like a, a, a relationship that's really going to be hard to repair. It just seems that way. Again, we'll see health-wise where Zach Moss is at as we are a week, about a week and a half yeah. from the season over. Yeah. yeah, right now they've got – what, they got two running backs? Two, they had a third two. Yeah, too healthy. Uh, you know, two more on the practice squad. You know, we'll see how the veteran running back situation plays out as well. Jeff, I'm looking at the roster yesterday. We see Jelani Woods go on injured reserve, which means he's going to miss the first four weeks. What do you think is the deepest non-tight end position on this team? The deepest? Yeah. Quarterback, <laughs> I guess, and that's with a rookie quarterback. Uh, boy, linebacker, uh, I guess, because you don't use that many. The defensive line, they got bodies, and I like maybe six of them. But, but you think we Leonard goes to back to playing every sorry to interrupt, but when you brought up yeah, linebacker, you think Leonard goes back to playing every snap, or, or do you think EJ Speed will kind of rotate in with him for whatever every third series or something? I think they rotate whatever that is, at least maybe a month until you really know if Leonard's back. And I think it'd be kind of crazy. For, for anyone to think that come September 10th, he's back. He's back to being the maniac. I think that's. I, I don't think he would. He would say that. So, but but that's why you do need EJ Speed, and you know it's been kind of fun to watch him kind of develop, sort of like Zaire Franklin did from you know late pick to none of the contract and all that. But but they need that. It's just that I I talk about the depth because you, they basically only play two. I mean, if they're healthy, because of so much. You know, nickel package, but you know, this is this is a roster that you look at. It's so uncharacteristic of Chris Ballard because normally, it's it's really a pretty good roster, top to bottom. You know, you're certainly have been missing stars outside of Taylor and I guess Pittman. I mean, and certainly Buck and and a few others. But there's so many areas where. If if a frontline player goes down, there is to me a pretty significant drop off to the next guy, and that's not always been the case. And that, that's why and, and people get hurt. It, it's you know it's it's a hundred percent. So it, it's I'm concerned about that. About you know it, it, if if Anthony Richardson gets hurt or whatever, you know Minshew Minshew is more than competent. And that even sounds like a backhanded compliment. But I, I really worry about positions that if, if a guy, Bernard Ryman, uh, uh, even Quiddy Pay, and, and we're still waiting for Quiddy to step up, or, or Kenny Moore, my goodness, uh, the, the drop-off in, in reliable experience is pretty dramatic. Mike Chappell with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline here on the fan on this Thursday. Last one for me, you know, he, he was, you know, fielding questions yesterday was Ballard. He stood up, you know, basically said, yes, you know, Anthony Richardson does have enough weapons. And KB, you ask him about, you know, will this stunt the growth of of, uh, of uh, Anthony Richardson not having Jonathan Taylor? And he said no. And he brought up Andrew Luck and everything else. Those two, Mike, left me scratching my head. Uh, enough weapons and how this affects Anthony Richardson. What did you make of those two answers? Well, it's, it's kind of what he's got to say. Right. 
you can't say, "Yeah, boy, this is really going to kill the kid." You can't, you can't say that. But it, yeah. this, this is not, this is not Andrew Luck. First of all, he's not Andrew Luck. <laughs> luck was pretty good. I mean, Luck was, Luck was a notch below Peyton Manning. He was, and, and he was so much better as a rookie. Well, I go like eight comeback wins by the team. But I just go back to when we talked to Ursay, and, and we've talked to Ballard before also. But when we talked to Ursay in July. And he kept mentioned a couple of times. Yeah, I really envision. I'm hopeful that, that Jonathan can be what what Marshall Falk was to Peyton. Well, Peyton, go back and look at Peyton's supporting cast. It was pretty good. I mean, he had some Hall of Famers. No, Adrian wasn't there yet, but he had, had a pretty good team. And now you've got you know three receivers. You 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 sort of like, but not over the top like running backs. It's you, you don't want to pile on these guys, but. You're, you're, you're really hoping Zach Moss gets back because he's the one that's really done the most. Deion Jackson, he's, well, Deion Jackson's really taking that next step and all that. And I understand what he's saying. Tight ends, I guess, but Will Mallory's been hurt. Mo'Ali Cox, is, he's missed as much time as anybody in camp. And so, and Kylan Granson has played well, but this isn't get, this isn't putting your rookie quarterback with 13 starts and 400 passes in college in the right stead because it's it's Taylor makes that much of a difference on defensive approach. You know, if you're a coordinator, are you worried about Richardson and Zach Moss, or are you worried about Richardson and 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 Jonathan Taylor? Well, that it's obvious. So this is not a best situation for the quarterback. He tried to spin it that way, but he had to. Mike Chappell, CBS Four, Fox Fifty Nine. Chap, I know it's an early start to this Thursday, so I set my alarm today. I, did I know. I always I'm feel sorry. bad asking you, but you're just too good not to ask. So I apologize. Well, you know, you, you, whenever I, we talk about this, it's, it's like I sleep till eleven o'clock. I, I don't. You just said that you set alarm. You and Jake Query are on the same sleeping I said patterns. It eight, I said it for eight thirty. I normally start getting you know because I stay. I'm an idiot. I stay up to like midnight or twelve thirty because I just do, uh, and, and I've lived long enough that if I want to sleep in until 8.30, doggone, I'm going to. Amen. But Good for but you. It's not 11 o'clock. Amen to that. Well, Chap, once a month, we always like to hear from you, so I appreciate, appreciate you doing it. that, and uh, I will see you over at the Complex here in a bit. Looking forward to it. Be well, guys. Final 30 minutes on a Thursday. Catch the podcast. Good God, we've talked for so long. Chris Ballard, uh, the, the Colts, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, and, you see what Mark uh, and did so there? much more. What, the dirty little secret? Dirty little now, what's secret. The, what's Mar- the, you guys have an underlying conversation because no, you've, no, worked, no. you've worked together for so long. This is my, this is my, Who's our next guest? This is my brain, and Zach, Zach Osterman is joining us next. <laughs> And okay. the dirty little secret is Tom Allen not revealing quarterbacks, kickers, the anyone, whole, yeah, the whole shebang <laughs> heading into their Ohio State game. So my brain works that I need to find something about secrets. Well, I like that's that a beautiful reentry there. And that was that's what, that's a, that's nicely produced. That's what you say. Uh, it is college football time. We'll have Florida Utah tonight, seven thirty, right here on the fan. A busy weekend as well. Virginia, Tennessee, West Virginia, Penn State Saturday, right here uh, on the fan, and then IU they're in. In action that coverage at 2:30 on Saturday over on IBC. Let's get Zach Osterman up here talk some IU football on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, for people that don't know, on my old radio show, I had Zach on every Thursday. So Zach, it's a Thursday. I'm just an hour and a half up the road, buddy. How are you, man? 
I was going to say, where did you come from? <laughs> oh, I'm here. It's good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you. So, uh, I'm sure this was on Twitter, but since Elon took TweetDeck away from me, I, I can barely follow anything anymore. So. <laughs> oh, come Excuse on. For not realizing. You're not going to pay the 9 or $10 a month? The Indie the Star won't help you out there? Come on. What's happening, Zach? No, no, no. We're going to leave that to one side. Yeah, yeah. I figured that would be the case. Well, tell us. I mean, I guess I can almost understand the quarterback. I'm not going to reveal the quarterback if you're Tom Allen. But the damn kicker, what's going on in Bloomington? What do you think happens at quarterback? And why Why is Tom Allen being secretive about his kicker, I guess? Yeah, you know, listen, I, I, I'm I, kind of of two contrasting minds with the, the reporter in me and also possibly just the common sense in me says this isn't really necessary do you do you gain that much of a competitive advantage from it on the other hand i also just don't think it matters that much i've had people tell me oh it, it, it dampens excitement for your season i don't know if i buy that i just you know it's it's it sort of feels like one of those things that we get wrapped up in because we got to get wrapped up in something this time of year and again i i, I would i would advocate just saying here's our too deep you know Nothing's ever fully settled. Guys get hurt. Guys, uh, uh, you know, guys underperform, whatever. But here's what we're looking at for now. Um, as for quarterback, I think, you know, I, I, I really have not been able in what we were what we were allowed to see of preseason to separate them. I think they are slightly different players. I think, and Tom Allen even, you know, will admit that. I think he, you know, last night he said Brennan Sorsby you know, has a lot of arm talent. He said uh, Taven Jackson's got a lot of moxie, was the word he used on his radio show. I'd also say Jackson is, is probably a little bit better throwing on the run, at least in what I've seen. Um, might be a little bit more athletic. Of course, people will remember not just his football career at Center Grove, but his basketball career and how good, um, how good of a basketball player he was. Um, I suppose still is. I, I guess I should just assume that. Um, the one thing that has crept into my mind, and I mean, like, nobody's, I wrote this today. This has only come at me because I feel like I do more opposing radio Ohio State week than I do basically the entire rest of the season. <laughs> um, and basically every Ohio State, whatever person I've talked to is asked if Indiana would play both. And Tom Allen has always been pretty adamantly anti two quarterback. You know, he's had situations in the past where he's had quarterback battles, and he's been pretty clear that he wants, you know, whoever the starter is, if they get pulled uh, for performance reasons and the guy goes in, it, it, you know, that, that, that if he makes – that he wants the starter, basically, first of all, to just play with the confidence of not looking over his shoulder. And second of all, that if there is a change made, he wants to stick with that change and he doesn't want to waffle about it and – but the only exception to that was Michael Penix's freshman, true freshman year, when Indiana sprinkled him in. But that was much more just about getting Penix on the field a little bit. It wasn't about, um, you know, necessarily sort of that I, I, the true sort of two QB system. The one that always comes to mind for me is what Steve Spurrier did with uh, Brock Berlin and Doug Johnson at, at Florida, where literally you didn't know which one was going out every series. Um, so that is the, the background for me saying this. I guess I sort of wonder if they'd play both. Hmm. And and if, if there is so little room between them, and it really does appear that there is very little room between them, and it's not like you 
it's not like one's really young and one's got more experience or, you know, one clearly has, I think they're both good quarterbacks. I also think they both need some work as a lot of redshirt freshmen do, but it's not like one, you know, can throw the ball 85 yards, you know, standing still. Uh, I just, I wonder if there's an extent to which Indiana might try to sort through both of them, especially if you have a situation in the Ohio State game where, and I'm not saying Indiana's going into that game expecting to lose, but if you have a situation where maybe that, that game, you know, the gap grows a little bit, do you, do you just try the other one and see what happens? Or the flip side is if one guy runs out there first and Indiana's, you know, still down three points at the end of the third quarter, then maybe your answer is, well, you know, this guy seems to get the, the, the team moving. This guy seems to, whatever he's doing in practice, you know, in games, this guy's making a difference. I, I don't know. I, I really, at this point, I feel like I'm just sort of second-guessing myself. And I probably just need to stop worrying about it because we're all going to know in about 48 hours anyway. Um, and as I said, I think to you, Andy, on in your previous life, history tells us Indiana's going to need them both anyway. Right. Because Indiana's had a lot of difficulty with the quarterback injuries. So I think we're probably just at the point where we need to play the games. People people just need actual games to talk about and not to worry about position battles and preseason rankings and anything like that. Shout out to the Brock Berlin reference there, Zach. That was outstanding. It really was. On this Thursday morning. Great quarterback insight there from Zach Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star. Zach, so much of the root of the Colts issues last year were offensive line related. I think you could say the same thing about IU, frankly. Um, What has changed up front, if anything, personnel, coaching-wise from last year? I mean, what's changed is, is Bob Bostad, who, who Indiana hired from Wisconsin to coach that offensive line. Obviously, Indiana fired Darren Hiller midway through last season. Um, it is, I mean, listen, again, this stuff's got to be proven in games. We can all sit here and talk about how good it looks or how good we think it might be or whatever. But it really does seem like that group has responded to Bostad. I mean, it has looked better, visibly better to me, a little bit in the spring, but certainly in fall camp. You know, I've I've said many times now that I think Indiana's better along both lines of scrimmage. On defense, that's been because of a a defensive line rotation that's been largely remade by some, some intriguing transfers. On offense, or offensive line, I should say, there's really only one transfer that's probably going to have an immediate impact and that's max longman from umass there's a couple other guys that might work their way up the depth chart as the season goes along but a lot of the guys indiana's going to lean on early in the season are guys that have been around like mike kadick and zach carpenter matthew bedford is healthy again khalil benson i think came on toward the end of last season some younger guys like carter smith and bray lynch that are starting to sort of take steps forward the difference is if indiana is better along that line and i think it is um, the difference is both that. And obviously he had a lot of success at Wisconsin, uh, multiple stints as offensive line coach there. It's always sort of intrigued me that he was an offensive line coach and then he got moved over to inside linebackers and all his inside linebackers were pretty good. And then he went back to offensive line. I mean, that just sort of, I guess, it feels like that just sort of says he's a good football coach. He's got a good football mind and he knows how to connect with and motivate and improve his players, um, you know, regardless of position. But if that group is better, um, I think a lot of it is going to come down to Bostad. And I think, you know, Tom Allen has spoken very highly of him. Walt Bell has spoken very highly of him. And it does seem like 
his players have responded to it. It's 3.30 on Saturday, Indiana and Ohio State, four-touchdown underdog, plus the Hoosiers here in this opener. Zach, when I look at the win-loss over-under, and I see three-and-a-half, I mean, when you are having a 12-game schedule and I see three-and-a-half, I don't care who the program is, I'm like, that is such a low, low number. Do you think three-and-a-half is like an accurate depiction of how expectations should be viewed like is a four win season theoretically better than what expectations should be based off everything that you've you know looked into and seen in practice i think um i would have said three and a half sounded about right a month or two ago i I always have this this um this question i sort of asked myself around expectations ahead of an iu football season and this is just something i've sort of developed over the years um, do I think that at minimum Indiana is good enough to be five and six going into the Purdue game? The idea being at minimum, you know, barring of course a car crash with injuries, you know, some sort of disaster, um, not totally dissimilar to what we saw in 2021. Um, you know, do I think Indiana is good enough to at least still have bowl eligibility on the table going into the final week of the season? I would not have said yes to that question before fall camp. And it's always, you always have to be careful to draw too many conclusions from fall camp. You know, guys are playing each other every day. Guys know certain elements of schemes and stuff's controlled. And, you know, like one of the things that, one of the many things, for example, I've brought up in this quarterback battle is if Indiana really wants to keep some of this option stuff that it was working with Dexter Williams at the end of last season, then I have no idea how good either of those quarterbacks is going to be at it because they weren't allowed to get hit in, the, in, in fall camp. Um, so there's stuff that we're just not going to know until we see Indiana on the field. I am probably closer to saying yes to that question about five and six going into the Purdue game than I was a month ago. Again, I think I do think Indiana is better than I expected it to be along the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. And with respect to quarterback play, with respect to anything else, that is the quickest way to getting better in, in college football um, is, is just improving your blocking and improving your defensive line play. Now, I think, you know, win or lose, it's going to be interesting to see Indiana, both of those lines against Ohio State. You've got an offensive line that's, of course, got to deal with, you know, what is perennially one of the most talented defenses in the country. And you've got a defensive line that is has got to make life easier for a, a, a young and inexperienced secondary against some of the you know, top receivers in the country, but also a defensive line that's going to be facing an offense with two new tackles, a new center, and a, a new starting quarterback. And can maybe they disrupt a little bit? Can they slow Ohio State down? Can they get Ohio State out of rhythm? I just think... You know, Gary Danielson said something. We got a chance to talk to Danielson and Nestler yesterday, and and he said, Danielson said basically um, that Indiana is is going to be judged almost just by how well it plays. You know, I think the the word he uses he used was, you know, how well it survives and and how well it plays. And he was essentially saying there are results for Indiana out of a game like Ohio State, especially in a season opener with all the turnover on the roster the last couple of years, there are results other than a win that are still positives to spin forward through the season. And that's not moral victories, but it is saying, as I think I've said to you, Andy, mm-hmm. you only play Ohio State once. Right. And, you know, once once they're off the schedule, you can live with that. Um, 
And if you can do some positive things, especially along those lines of scrimmage, then suddenly you maybe feel like that three-and-a-half win number is, is a little bit low for a team that has a lot of much more winnable games in theory uh, starting week two. Zach Osterman from the star with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the fan on a Thursday. Well, the pop quiz coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, you know, I, listen, we have to ask this question. This is the last one for me. I just, it's a Tom Allen question. I, I feel like it's, you know, before the season, we're talking expectations and everything else over unders. I mean, if they ever went under that number, I mean, you would basically go the last two months of the season winning like one game, KB. That's exactly uh, what Indiana would do. Uh, I mean, he's kind of redone his deal, but still, Indiana would owe him, what is it, upwards of $20 million if they got rid of him after this season. It goes down December of 2024. What's the read in the room? You know, if they win, you know, four games, something like that, maybe even five if I bump it up to that, and they could be, uh, you know, maybe making a bowl when they look at the last couple games of the season. What do you think of this season and the future of Tom Allen? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's possible the Big Ten media deal has changed this calculus, and, and, and it's just hard for us to know until we see Indiana do it. That buyout still seems steep to me at the end of the 2023 season. I think it would take something, you know, pretty disastrous, to be honest. Um, what I do think and what I have said is, you know, there's, there's sort of when you are, let's say, financially safe or contractually safe, and then there's also just sort of when your fan base still believes in you and will still invest in you and, will, you know, will still give you the benefit of the doubt of, of, you know, getting behind you, building some momentum, et cetera. And there's plenty of coaches that lose that long before ultimately they lose their jobs. I don't – I never like saying a guy's coaching for his job. I, I don't think Tom Allen probably is this season just based on my history with – IU as an athletics department and obviously also understanding some of the financial challenges that may be on the, the, the horizon in terms of losing fundraising dollars to NIL, in terms of possibly, frankly, having to start building a pot of money that you use to, to pay players at some point in the next three to five, seven years. I don't know exactly how far away we are from that, but a lot of people, including Tom Allen, think it's coming and it should probably just get here. Um, I do wonder, though, and I do suspect that there's an extent to which Tom Allen is, is kind of coaching for his his future with his fans, mm-hmm. and and you know that that there you can get to a place where if Indiana can't show improvement off of last season, and I'm not sure exactly what that looks like to people. Is it five and seven, but you win both trophy games? Is it six and six? Is it a bowl win? I'm not totally sure. I think that's. I think you. I think you get a a more varied sort of. You know, if you screen 5,000 IU fans, I think you get a more varied sort of range of answers than you expect. But I think unless there is some measure of progress shown this season, I think, he, you know, Tom Allen gets to a place where maybe his fan base starts to check out in a, in a really sort of meaningful and possibly kind of calcified way. And that's when you may start talking about, you know, long-term change coming. Zach, we only have about 30 seconds left. I wanted to sneak in a quick basketball question. One scholarship left for this coming season. Are you under the impression that they will not use that on someone outside of the program right now? Unless something's changed, they can't. Um, because you have to be, obviously, you have to be enrolled. And unless 
IU's academic calendar and policies have changed. We are in the third week of classes now, or the second. I can't remember which. Either way, the point is, I think either Monday or Wednesday of the second week of classes is when you're allowed to add and it's your last day to add and drop. And so, got it. I don't think you can. I don't think you can roll for the fall semester. So I don't think they they can at this point. I could be wrong there, but that would be if something has changed. Interesting, uh, Zach. Great stuff as always. Uh, you cover IU athletics tremendously. Appreciate and, uh, it, Zach. We look forward to having you on here uh, later this fall as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.